Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. This week, I sit down with podcaster and comedian Pete Dominic. Pete was my very first guest here at the WAIM pod. And now, 30 episodes in, Pete comes back so we can talk about sending his daughter off to college, embedding with a family in Australia for a couple weeks, and the ever-changing nature of our lives. Let's get into it. How you doing? It's Maddie C <clears throat> with a crusty throat. Apparently, uh, thanks for being here. It's really wonderful to have you here as part of the show. Um, my guest today is Pete Dominic. I think I just told you that. Uh, let's dive into some other stuff first, and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes of that here in just a minute. Um, first, I went to a good old-fashioned rock and roll show this week on uh, on Tuesday, um, August twenty second. I guess it was. I went down to Bell's uh, Beer Garden, which is. Uh, the maker of the most delicious beer in the world, Two Hearted Ale. And uh, I went down to Bell's and I saw a band from New Zealand called The Beths, or if you want to pronounce it properly, The Beths. Um, and uh, they're a band I've just gotten into here in the last few months. <clears throat> and uh, they are uh, much younger than most of the music I listen to, but it is uh, guitar-based rock and roll. I would say that it uh, it shares many of the same qualities uh, as power pop, which is a genre in which I traffic from time to time. And um, it's just really hooky, well-written, great guitar-based pop rock. And uh, I thought it was great. And uh, Bells is a wonderful place. And I went with my dear friend David Baldwin, who did the amazing uh, theme music that you get to hear every time we have an episode, that that lovely theme that you heard on the way in. That's my buddy Dave. So Dave and I went down. We had a, we had a great time. Uh, it was great to spend some time with him. And I wasn't expecting to go to this show. I, I didn't even know about it until a couple of days before. And then I made a decision on Monday morning that I was going to go. And then miraculously, within hours of making that decision, but before buying a ticket, uh, I was gifted a ticket. Uh, through a friend named Keith, who I know through the Rock in the Suburbs pod. And um, man, uh, he gave me a ticket and I got to meet Keith in person for the first time. And it was just a, it was a really great night. Um, is a really, really wonderful experience. Um, it reinforces my philosophy that uh, when push comes to shove, if you're trying to decide whether or not to go do the thing, go do the thing. It will make your life better. Um, it's been another super busy week here at What Am I Making? Um, just a quick uh, rundown of some of the highlights because I don't know how many of you are listening to the pod and also reading the stuff that's happening on the blog. It's impossible for me to know in my numbers who is maybe preferential to one thing or another. So I just want to kind of mention a couple things here on the pod. I don't want to rehash stuff you're already aware of, but there may be a number of folks listening here who are not necessarily paying attention every day to the stuff that's that's happening. And I also realized that I'm putting out content pretty much every weekday right now, which again, I've told you this before, I don't know how sustainable that is, but until it stops being sustainable, I think I'm just going to keep doing it. I really love the work and I feel good doing it. And it, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, but anyway, just kind of a quick rundown of uh, what happened here uh, this week at What Am I Making? Um, 
I uh, provided a lovely little tour update uh, from a day I spent with my friend Abigail Hummel in, uh, in Hawthorne and Gainesville, Florida. Uh, that post includes some talk about the low country in South Carolina, uh, William Tecumseh Sherman, uh, slavery, and a whole shit ton of driving. Um, I even put up a tour video clip from Ashburn, Virginia, from uh, my show with the Rock in the Suburbs guys in uh, Ashburn, Virginia, just outside of D.C. at the Lost Rhino Brewery. I put up a clip of me playing uh, Connection, a stick around song. And um, those guys over at Rock in the Suburbs Pod actually earlier this week published the episode of the interview that I did before my set. And, um, and then on Tuesday, they went ahead and they aired the entire show that I played. So if you want to hear an audio version of my show from uh, Ashburn, Virginia, head over to Rock in the Suburbs Pod. You can get that either at Rock in the Suburbs or sorry, suburbspod.com, or you can find that on all of the normal podcast outlets. Um, I also worked on a, uh, a, a thing I've been working on for a long time. I published an episode or an essay this week on the Bath School disaster. Um, it's a story about the first real moment of violent uh, extremism, I guess. I can't think of another word. Um, in a, in a schoolhouse in 1927 in a little town called Bath, Michigan, where I happen to grow up. So if you haven't had a chance to read that one yet, I'm really, really proud of it. And I think it's a really fascinating story. And it's a, it's an event that surprisingly few people still know about. And I really would love it if you'd go check it out. And then uh, the other thing we published this week was uh, we, I, I put out an article about the first four Brian Eno records. I've been a long time Brian Eno fan. I know many of you are. Um, Lots of folks know him from his production work with David Bowie and Talking Heads and U2, among others. Many other folks are very, very aware of his work as a pioneer of, of the genre of ambient music. And uh, many folks are even familiar with his time um, early on in the formation of Roxy music. But uh, I sort of feel like there is a, there's a little bit of a, a value when it comes to the four vocal records he made after he left Roxy and before he starts making... Uh, records with David Bowie and Talking Heads and before he starts really delving into ambient music as his primary form of musical expression. So uh, that is what happened over at What Am I Making this week? And I would sure love it if you'd go over there and read those things. And if you enjoy what you've read and what you've heard and seen, uh, it would be really great if you could share it and like it and comment on it. The number one way for me to grow my readership is for you to share it with people that you think would be interested. So uh, I will humbly ask you again if you can find one person this week to share an article or a podcast episode with that you have enjoyed here. Uh, that would mean a lot to me. Um, I feel like I am doing the best work of my life in terms of, uh, in terms of writing and podcasting and the, and, the, and the work that I'm doing here. Uh, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and uh, I need your your support to make that happen, and it's it's a struggle to to grow readership. It's really really difficult, and it isn't just a matter of doing good work consistently. Unfortunately, although I am going to keep doing that part of it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being here, and thanks for letting me run down kind of a, a recap of uh, of of the week that was. Um, make sure you're paying attention to those. By the way, I just started a new thing last week. Every Saturday, I'm putting out. A, uh, an email called The Week That Was, where I run down the highlights from the week here at Substack. So if there's something that you missed or you don't want to have to look at every email, 
Maybe you just want to pop in on a Saturday and choose a thing or two to, to kind of look at and dive into. Again, anything that you enjoy that you can share or show to other people or put on social media is a huge, huge help. Again, I can't do this work without your financial support. If you would sign up for a subscription today, go to whatamimaking.substack.com. You can sign up for a subscription for as little as $6 a month. It makes all of the difference in the world. It doesn't just help me to uh, pay the bills and put food in my big fat mouth. It also makes me know that what I'm doing is worthwhile and worth working on. So uh, if you could send that encouragement in the form of your dollars, that sure would help a lot. Um, don't forget, we've got a relatively new email for the show. It's what am I making blog? That's what am I making blog, all one word, at gmail.com. Send me questions, comments, ideas, suggestions for guests, different things you think I should talk about. Maybe you've got a record you want to cover. Maybe you've got something you want to contribute. Let me know. I've also got a way for you to leave me a voicemail so that you can get on the show. Go to speakpipe.com slash what am I making. You can leave me a voicemail. I can play it on the show. Or you can even just leave me a suggestion or an idea. Of course, remember to like, rate, and review the pod wherever you listen. It makes all the difference in the world. Thanks for letting me... Uh, Go off on a little self-promo tangent there for 90 seconds. I genuinely appreciate it. Now, let's get to the real reason that we're both here. My guest, Pete Dominic. So when I first began to really mull the idea of this thing, of a podcast and a Substack page and a, and a space where I could have um, a, a way to sort of have a consistent creative voice in this, in this world, when I first started to work on that, one of the first people I reached out to was Pete Dominic. And he had some pretty simple advice for me. His suggestion was just start. Now, in the fall of 2019, Pete had lost his job in corporate media. And so he went home and he collected himself and he started a podcast. In fact, he built a shed behind his house in which to produce this podcast. Sound familiar? And in the last four years, Pete has built a community of amazing people simply by doing great work on a daily basis. Talking to the smartest, most educated, most expert people in a variety of fields. From politics to parenting to climate change and everything in between. But Pete assured me that no matter how I prepared, I would probably fall on my face to some degree at first. And that no matter what happened, I should just start writing, start recording, start publishing. And that ethos was uncomplicated as it could be. Essentially, the more you do it, the better you get. It's really the only genuine path that any of us have, and I think we all know that. And Pete reminded me of it. And now Pete finds himself at a new crossroads. Just last week, Pete dropped his eldest daughter, Ava, off at Ithaca College in upstate New York for her freshman year. We talk about the challenges and the trepidation of sending your kid off into the real world and what that means. Moments like this are our first real test of how we did as parents. Pete is brimming with confidence and excitement over Ava, her freshman year and her future in general. And as if this were not enough emotional road to hoe at this point in his life, Pete recently spent 10 days in Australia on a solo trip for a friend's milestone birthday. And in lieu of spending his days filled with touristy pursuits, Pete spent his time with the family that he was visiting, becoming bald mom. And we talk about how travel opens your heart and your mind and what a treat it is to spend genuine time with a family that is not your own. I admire Pete greatly for his talents and his work ethic as a podcaster. But I look up to him most as the tremendous father and friend that I know him to be. 
So without further ado, here is a great chat with two dudes opening up about the perils of parenting, the mystical nature of visiting a new land, and finding a way to do the work that really, really matters. Enjoy. my friend how uh how was this big trip you took wonderful it was just wonderful it was a unique experience to go off on my own i haven't done that since i was a young man okay in, in, in this kind of way it was a unique experience to fly halfway around the world to be in that country any foreign country uh but yeah. mostly to be with my friend who i haven't seen in over 10 years who i talk to every day I see him on the polo app, the uh, video app, messaging app, and also his family. His wife is phenomenal. His kids are amazing. And I was like embedded in their family. And so to be in another country away from my family with another family, it was very different. And I'm just go back to the word unique because my vocabulary is limited. But I had a great time and, you know, I, uh, I got closer with them. And I'm really feeling still great about my visit with them. Uh, it sounds incredible. I, first of all, what a unique experience to be able to go someplace so far away and not do it in sort of the conventional, I'm a tourist, I'm going to go from hotel to hotel, yeah. be in a group or whatever. Like, I, I love yeah. the way that you use the word embedded, and I think it's a perfect way to describe with it. With the indigenous Australians. Well, let's not get carried away. Them. The indigenous Australians are actually real people. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all due respect to the, uh, which is a huge, obviously a huge issue there. It's, yes. It's, it's there across the bear and they don't, right. often, many of them don't bear it well. But to be with uh, actual Australian citizens, Lisa's actually British. And they're both, by the way, like pretty well known. And, and my buddy is, I would say, pretty famous. He got right. recognized often when we went to places. And his dad, is the most famous rocker in Australia, a guy named Jimmy Barnes, and he's hugely famous. And so that was a weirdish, you know, kind of aspect of, of being there and being immersed with their friends who are also, you know, pretty well-known people. He's on TV every day yeah. as the host of the their Today Show. So that was a kind of a an interesting thing to witness and be around as well. I've had a taste of that, but, you know, it's it's funny to just be on the outskirts of it and be part of the entourage. Yeah. Uh, I certainly would, <laughs> would have no frame of reference for that whatsoever. Um, but it sounds fun. And, and fun. based on, based on the, they're nice. They walk up to you and they're, they're just nice to you. Well, and, and I mean, you've had, you've had, uh, you've had David, your friend on the, the hangout a couple of times and, um, have played some clips of polos that you guys have shared with each other. And he just seems like the most affable, charming and welcoming. Oh yeah. Dude. I mean, it was his I mean, 50th. I did. I don't know if I mentioned, I went there because it was his 50th birthday and his wife, you know, invited me. That's why I did it. And it worked out timing wise, which is crazy, but yeah, no, he had like a party with all of his friends and it's just like a measure of, of, of kind of a person you are. And they, they made a tribute. Like I said, he's the host of the Today Show and all these fame, like a five minute tribute with a whole bunch of famous people and then non-famous people who knew him, know him, just loving him. Yeah, he's affable is one word, but like the most liked guy I know is probably a better way of saying it. everybody loves him. He's got he's just a great guy. That's why I have 
cozied up to him because he's so much better than me in most ways. And he's also an amazing friend, but you know, I've always just tried to suck people's good qualities dry. <laughs> well, and uh, you, you have to be a pretty worthwhile human being to fly that far for anyone. Uh, yeah, I told you. It's told a long, people, it's a long goddamn way, Pete. I can, you know, like name a person in my life, and I'll tell you the measure of my uh, friendship with them by how far I would go to see them. <laughs> now, I just, I just want to clarify here. Uh, I basically drove by your house, and you were unavailable. Just, just to clarify where I stand in Pete Dominic's view. <laughs> that, that, uh, I was, I was all ready to meet up with you. That morning was such a nightmare morning. What did I have? Like a, a handy uh, man. The, the, the door fell off the house or something, I think was the, the front was the door <laughs> was being installed that day. They were supposed to come the day before, but you know, Contra, he's like, I'm going to come tomorrow. I'm like, ah, right. And then you had to wait for him. So I was like waiting for this guy to oh. come. Yeah. It's always I fun. Like, Dude, I cannot, I can't leave my house. Um, and, but so, so, so you, yeah, you told Siegel you wouldn't fly to Atlanta to go see Eric. I mean, Siegel was two hours away from me. So I told him our relation, our friendship is close enough that I would meet him in between to cut it to one hour. So he's a one hour friend. He's a one hour friend. No, I mean, that's, I've already, and that can be a joke. I've flown to see him and stay with him. And he's oh, doing, that's so. awesome. Um, so you were there what, a little less than two weeks? 10 days. 10 days. Know, okay. A lot of that's, a lot of that's travel. And um and they're you know they're they're living their lives right while you're there you're like you said embedded with a family it's yeah. not like you're going on vacation with these people they've yeah, got to go to work like, they got to go to school and stuff they didn't take any time off as a matter of fact his wife left while I was there almost like that's why she invited me knew she was going to go on a business trip to to Europe and she was like you know I'll let I'll let as they called they named me they named me bald mom because I was yeah. like a third parent and they're hilarious people. And so anyway, I was there just with him. They didn't take any time off. As a matter of fact, they worked even more. Uh, he had to go oh, be in an award show, like their Golden Globes. Like the second day I was there, he was there. It's, it was bizarre. We were watching <laughs> it from home. So no, it was, but it was just great because I did all the local stuff. And then I took a couple, I'm so bad at planning, Matt. Like I'm so bad at it. I'm it's the, if I can, do you mean in general life, or, or in general, okay. in general, I hate, it. I have anxiety around planning. I, I, I have to get to the bottom of it. There's gotta be a book. I've just started to, to realize how big of an issue it is. And when I get a handle on it, I'm, I'm it's going to be a big deal for me. I'm going to have a big party. But the point is like, I'm there and I, they're like, do you want to just like, maybe tomorrow you can just go explore. And I was like, okay, maybe I will. Okay, I'll do that. Like I, the fact that I didn't think before I had went, like most people, a lot of smart people, uh, like these are the places I want to see in Sydney. These are the restaurants going to want to eat at. Things that a lot of people do. I was just like, all right. And so that the first morning, they were all at work. Kids were at school. I I got on a train and then a ferry and then an electric bike and mostly walking in between all those. And I must have walked eighteen miles that day. I exaggerate usually by a factor of ten, and. I saw a lot and it was amazing. And I was alone the whole time and I, I loved it. And at one point I thought this woman was hitting on me, but she, it turns out she was just being friendly. I found out. Oh, that's disappointing. Isn't it? It's real. I thought to, it was, I was like, the ego. I was getting the electric bike. I was hooking it up. Okay. You know, and she's like, sir, do you need, do you need help? And I looked at her, and I was about to say, no, I've got this, but she was attractive. So I was like, yeah, I do. Can you, do you know how far away is Bondi Beach. And then 
She explained that, and then she said, where are you from? So I was like, oh, this woman is actually interested in me. And then I told her where I was from. She told me she spent time in New Jersey. I tried to ask another question, and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. So she was mm. just being really friendly. but She's trying to dip in and dip out, and you wanted to hang on for a little bit because you were just a, you were just a guy with a day. You were the lonely, lonely guy with a day. Just a guy, an electric bite, and a tight shirt. Is it is it possible that she just thought you were a little dim and needed help, and she yeah. just took pity on Very you? Very possible. By the way, I was struggling with that electric bike. That's a fair interp. That's a absolutely <laughs> fair. Sir, are you like normative in terms? You're gonna of- you're gonna need a helmet for that, buddy. You're gonna oh, need. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, are you gonna put the bike helmet on your normal everyday helmet? Because. Uh, Your brain seems broken. Um, I love those days when you can have even a couple hours to just kind of wander around a city you don't know very well all alone and just kind of soak it up. Um, yeah, I had forgotten how much I love that because my life is so centered around my family and, and, you know, my work and my normal daily life. And but I loved it. I loved Sydney and it was a great experience and I highly recommend drinking two beers and then riding a electric bike straight up a mountain, which is what I basically did by accident. That sounds amazing. There ought to just be like a uh, half day tours where you can do that. Like they have those stupid little uh, trolleys where you can pedal yourself around and drink all day. Why don't they have them where you can like get drunk and then ride a bike up a mountain? Well, I wouldn't say get drunk and ride a bike. That's your suggestion. Okay, I'm just, fair. Saying I'm, just I'm just saying I know I'm from the upper Midwest. People are going to get drunk. You give them beer, they're gonna they're gonna drink it to excess. And if you don't let them, they're gonna pregame. When you're when, when you're explore, <laughs> when you're exploring a new place and you're relying on Google Maps, which is fine, uh, what you realize is that Google Maps doesn't show a gradient. So I thought I had a two mile bike ride to the train station. I was like, yeah, I can have another beer. I'm not gonna be drunk. It's probably not the smartest thing to do to ride through the streets. Uh, but I'm, you know, I wasn't too, too worried about that. I had food in the belly and turned out the gradient was straight up. It was like, Australia is like San Francisco. It's like really hilly. And I didn't know that. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't realize that. Thank God for that electric motor on that bike. Cause my legs were on fire, Matt, but I, uh, I made it to my, my subway the and, um, uh, version of the Metro. And at the top I had a, a small piece of cheesecake. So I was all right. Nice. You earned that cheesecake. Too. Yeah, it was amazing. Australia is amazing. Sydney's amazing. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a long trip, but here's the thing. If you are on a plane for 15 to 18 hours ever, I feel like I'm in a club of people now that can just scoff at a five hour flight to the West Coast or L.A. to New York. Like I can, be okay. like, I can do that in my sleep. Literally. So so that that flight, say, from from New York to L.A., not a big deal for you anymore. That's what now, I'm thinking. I'm now sure that, that. now that you've gone L.A. to Sydney, right, right. Okay. I have I have one of these coming up in a couple of months. Oh, so I'll be leaning on you heavily. Uh, yeah, my mom and I are going to Southeast Asia, and oh. so so I have a 16 hour flight to Taipei, uh, and then a connecting flight to Vietnam. But, what a wonderful thing to do with your mom, you being your age, she being her age. That's a pretty unique, cool thing. It's, uh, you, you lost your dad tragically. Yeah. Uh, how many years ago now? And now uh, you three, three years ago uh, this week, actually. Wow. Yeah. You have uh, 
served in some ways that role as your mom and you get to be with your mom. It's a, it's a very mutually beneficial thing. I bet you that a lot of people do that when in your situation, but if they can afford to, if they can make it work, but it's wonderful. Or if I should say, it's probably not true that a lot of, even if you love your parent or your parent loves you, that you don't necessarily like them enough to travel with them. And that's the, and you have to like have shared interests and similar, like sort of rhythms to your, like, you've got to, you know what it's like to travel with people. I mean, you learn this. You you folded yourself into a whole family's routine, right? Yeah. You know, you you got to be able to do that, and you got to kind of know what you're getting into. And like this trip I'm taking with my mom is like 19 days. I've never gone anywhere with anybody else for 19 days. That's well, your mom. I mean, it's my mom. It's going to be amazing. In fact, she long. Pete. She just got back on Sunday. She and my sister went to Ecuador for 10 days. Oh, look at this! She does they, it with all of her kids. Yeah, she does it with both of us. And um. I want to travel with your mom. Is that uh, no, no. Everybody wants to travel with my mom. And I think the next plan is I think she and my girls are going to go to India next year. Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That she and my dad, she and my dad spent money on nothing else, like just nothing else. They just, they would split meals and buy secondhand clothes and they did like all they spent money on travel. That's it. Yeah. So that they could travel. That's wonderful. They, and they love to go to a, a lot of different, types of places and cultures. I don't know. That's yeah. another, a lot of people don't, I guess you got to be a kind of person, a special kind of person to want to do that. Most people probably, you know, don't even leave their town, much less their state, much less yeah. their country, in America, at least, you know, obviously Europeans, Asians, I think they just travel more by culture, even Australians. Uh, but to go to all those different cultures and places, like, I don't think I would, I, I don't have as diverse of a palate as you and your mom, because I literally don't have as diverse of a palate. Like, I don't want to eat that. I'm not eating that. <laughs> Um, I sort of like, take the belief system where like, I'll eat anything. I'll eat almost anything once. Right. You know, um, I'll be very skeptical or dubious. Um, but you know, I mean, if you've had one fried insect, you've had them all. Right. You know, if it's alive and fuzzy, like, okay. So Kevin, our friend, Kevin Richburg, um, when he and I were talking about weird food, he brought up this thing and I can't remember the name of it right now, but basically it's a fermented duck egg that the the duck is not quite born but it's dead so i don't like want to keep i don't want to keep yeah i don't even want to talk about it yeah it's it's, experience. it's like it's it's disgusting i looked up photos it's gross like that's the that's one of the few things i would go no yeah no you know um one of the few topics of conversations i don't want to have with you next please all right you're um, gonna hear me like i, okay. I have I'm, no, we're good. I'm not too picky, but I don't need to experience like I'm not interested in a, like crazy new experiences. No, and I don't I don't understand this whole like, oh, it's weird. It's scary. Like the whole like hot wings challenge. Like I don't want food to be painful. I want it to be delicious. I don't want it to be a fucking challenge. Yeah. You know, if it's weird and it's yummy, I'll give it a shot. I think that, like, I do think that food and music are the, probably the, the topics of conversation. Like, like if I'm in a group of people on the deck or on your deck and you have your friends over yeah. and I'm one of them, I'm like, I'll move over with these people talking about their kids or something. <laughs> you feel like for whatever reason, those are two areas where you don't have much self-confidence in conversation. Yeah. And that's why I probably should just sit there and listen. But when we're doing a podcast, I'm like, dude, here's the things we probably I'm not interesting on. And I sound <laughs> pathetic. And no, it's totally fine. Uh, uh, I just think it's uh, I think it's interesting that somebody because I heard you talk about music so much. You're such a smart, curious person and you like it. 
And I just, I think it's funny how you, I think in a way you've almost kind of built up a stigma about it, about creating an inability no, to discuss I, no, music. No, 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 I'm not even interested in hearing someone talk about music. Oh, really understood. In understood. It. Got it. Yeah, I, uh, there's, uh, my, my friends in Australia are big musical theater people. And so they were talking like a lot about musical theater. And I was like, all right, I'm enough. I'm good. And I, I get it, man. It's, it's I'm being, you know, selfish and just self-centered about the topics of conversation that I enjoy. Cause I like to think obviously that I've made a living talking about so many different types of things in the world issues generally that impact people and stuff, but like arts and culture and cuisine and food and stuff. I'm not great in that conversation and I'm not so interested in it. I loved watching the Beatles documentary. I'd watched that cause I was forced to, but I liked it in Australia. I liked it a lot, but they weren't, you know, it was a documentary. It wasn't like a Right. Music. It was watching people behave in the most unique of situations. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you're watching a film. Um, it's not just two people sitting around and having a talk. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. It's not. It's not. Um, you know, my dinner with Andre about the Beatles. Um, as John Lennon once said, um, talking about making music is like talking about fucking. Um, well, that's so, all I'm saying. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, he's just agreeing with you. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just oh, saying there you are. And John Lennon on the same. Uh, yeah, on that one at least. Um, we'll see about the other things. We'll, we'll run through the checklist. Um, so since you've gotten back, um, you sent your oldest daughter off to college. So we've 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 gone off. We've experienced another family. We've seen a bit of the world. We come home and we have to say goodbye to this pillar of your family. <laughs> how, how are you handling that? I am handling it pretty well. One day at a time. And, but I think I'm handling it pretty, pretty well. It's as a result of her being so independent from us for so long, especially the last year her going to camp for long periods of time, the last four summers, like it's not completely foreign to me. Mm -hmm. And she has really spread her wings and, and flapped them away from us, like really wanted to get away from us, no matter how good our relationship is or whatever, like she just wanted out away from her parents and wasn't hiding that. And so, you know, it's, because of those details, I think I'm handling it pretty well. But, you know, you, you had some great advice. So many people said so many great things, but you know a lot about this issue, having lived through it and having your work be with, you know, sales and high school students and understanding that transition to college. And I think what you said was really thoughtful about kind of sitting with the, the gratitude that you get to share her with other people and I really like the phrasing of that. It's interesting when you go through a thing like this and you do it publicly, as many of us have been on Facebook, many parents, whether they, you know, are a host of a talk show or sell insurance, they have a Facebook account. They're living through this experience that many of us have. A lot of writers are writing about it, living through it. And and your uh, advice and your thoughts on it were really eloquent. And I, I, I'm very grateful for them. You You said, may it be the most gentle sort of pain which I also, you know, thought is a, it is, it's painful, but it's not the type of pain of a, a permanent loss, right. you, know, you know, someone dying, someone losing a limb, being severely ill, you know, those kinds of 
terrible but, tragedy is but that there is a there is a sense of grief that comes with it there's sure. a genuine sense and it, and it it and you know that it's i guess i i sort of liken it to grief in that in that it is it is affecting a group of people that's not just you it's it's going to affect val in a different way it's going to affect julia in a different way it will be a there will be a tiny little part of ava that will grieve the loss of of yeah. of this and the dog but what the dog the dog well indy looks pretty good right now today but we'll see how we'll, we'll see how indy does um but but i i guess when you guys are kind of collectively going through that um there is some there is kind of some gratitude built into that just just in the way that we think about grief and that we we are just being sad about it we are acknowledging this awesome thing that we have right I guess. Yeah. I guess that's a way of, of thinking about it. The grief acknowledges how great a thing was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and so in a way, I guess that's what I meant when I said, you know, sort of lean into whatever sadness there is. And, you know, I hope, I hope that it's gentle, like I said, but I, I think at the end of the day, um, I felt so grateful like I said, to share her, but also the idea that like, we might've gotten away with this. Like we sent we sent her off to school and like 24 hours went by and then she got a hold of us and she was like, Hey, the first day was great. And we were like, Holy shit, we might've done it. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of, of gratitude and there's a lot of celebration and there's a lot of excitement already seeing what she's doing there and how she excited she is. And that her film just got like selected for a festival that she made. Like she's doing so well. And so we're so excited and encouraged by that. I think that this conversation or this experience is something that it's really healthy for parents to talk about with each other. And there's a lot of places for that. It's really helpful for healthy for men to talk with other men about it. Uh, but it is, you know, it is something when you come back to yourself, when you think about your own, like who Pete Dominic's, I don't mind that phrase, new normal. I kind of like it. What is my purpose? What is my responsibility now that she's gone? And the, again, the truth is I didn't have much responsibility to her over the last two years. That was by design. She got her a license and a car and a job. And, you know, she was living here and I would try to insert myself into her life often when she didn't want me there and she's like, you're annoying me. And so now what is my, how do I fill that space that I so invested in her and less and less the older she got, right? right. And what is my kind of purpose to her, much less to myself, much less to, yeah, my remaining daughter that, that's still living at home and, and my partnership and everything, you know, my work. And that's something that I'm evaluating. I'm in evaluation. I'm going to, a phase of exploration to find out what that's what that's going to be and how my other daughter now will go through the same metamorphosis cocoon and i mean she's already the butterfly and flapping her wings she's ridiculous the other one is just so equipped already like she's ready to go too i if i could afford it i absolutely would send her to some boarding school some private you know if we could afford that i would it, she'd be perfect for that so if anybody listening wants to give other scholarship. Yeah, if we've got any benefactors out there, um we've got a hotline set up so so let me know. We'll uh we'll find ways to spend your money. Um do you think I'm curious about this cuz you're a younger sibling. Um 
do you think that that some of the reasons that that maybe Julia is, as you said, spreading her wings already and doing the butterfly thing is kind of because she's been, you know, kind of mentored along a little bit by an older sister who's got it together? I have a strong belief based on only my own experience and what would seem to be logical is that when you are, are any younger sibling, second, third, fourth, fifth, and the more you got, the more you see what not to do and what, <laughs> like my brother had to walk through a field littered with maladies and obstacles and, you know, he had a machete through that and he got bloodied. He got it all addiction and ridicule and bullied and just my parents, you know, uh, had to figure stuff out with him as parents before. And so what the time they got to me and I got to them and saw what he went through, it was just like, yeah. And I, I skated, I went right through it. And so I, I think Julia certainly has some of that has learned a good amount watching her older sister move through life, navigate, the same parents she has, the same space she has. And, you know, they're also super close, which is a testament, I think, in a lot of ways to our parenting and Val, especially uh, sending them to camp together. And it's amazing. So, yeah, for sure. I'd love to hear a younger sibling say that's not the case. I'd be interested in why they would, you know, what the argument they would make. But I have a hard time seeing it any other way. I uh, I, I tend to subscribe to your theory. Um and I am the oldest of two. And uh, my sister subscribes to this theory as well. So that makes me feel better. Yeah. Uh, doesn't so, seem too controversial. It seems easier. No. It seems in many ways easier. And I'm sure there are people that could argue, I had a terrible life as a result of me being the younger one. This and Well, that. and if you've got a terrible relationship with an older sibling and they abuse you or exploit you or treat you like shit or whatever, then obviously there's a problem. But I don't think that's indicative of the sort of the the system in place. That's just sort of a, a an anomaly, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so how is, how is Julia handling this? I mean, I don't want you to like, you know, talk privately about your kid, but like, you, like she's cool. She's ready to go. She's doing her own thing. She's not sweating it too much. Doesn't seem to. She doesn't, it's not as vocal with me about what's going on inside okay. as sister was. I'm not sure that she necessarily is as good at, naming it even necessarily uh but she seems to be we obviously i i ask her constantly i try not to you know remind her i should, I should of course should, but so i actually haven't you know talked to her about it but she seems all right and jules is she's got a boyfriend she's got a job she's got school she's got uh, act, a lot of activities and and a lot of ideas and ambitions and her screen you know she's got multiple <laughs> so i don't think it's <laughs> So much, you know, yet yeah. and I think it's hit us all that our pillar, as you call this, it's, it's a perfect word. You know, there's four legs on our table. Yeah. Four, and when one of us is sick or when one of us is gone or any of the emotions you're feeling, as you said, you know, we we all feel them. I think that's true probably of most families. But so I just don't think enough time has passed to give you a, you know, a, to, to know for any of us how I feel, how Jewel feels. Right. I mean, it's then, been a week, right? Yeah, ba barely, not even. And okay. so it's it's hard to to know but jules is i feel bad for her you know i i, I she's got three more years here and so i i do feel so i'm going to do my best to be my best for her however i show up and yeah I'm like 
interested in having a different relationship with her than I did with Ava because they're different people. It's a different dynamic, different time in my life. And so I'm really curious and excited about how my relationship with Jewel will develop over the next few years. You know, it's like you are down to car time sometimes. I'm, I'm somewhat envious of dad's and, and moms who have a thing that they do with their kids I do some stuff with them, but we don't like we ski together, but not enough. And, and so I'm trying to create those things with Jewel if possible, but it's like, every time I say to her, Hey, you want to go to a concert? She's like, yeah, can I bring her boyfriend? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. So the point is once all I have left is car time, she gets her license probably in the spring, March, April. And then what? You know, then your kids are that much more independent because they can drive themselves around. What does that mean about your relationship with them if you don't have car time? And so I'm we'll see, you know, that's that that's that's the next few I years. I can tell you less in my experience boarding school. Uh, boarding school is always an option. It is well, I mean, we need some more we need some more uh stand up with Pete Dominic uh members though. So we're going to need, if we're going to make, if we're going to make boarding school money, we need you to go over to standupwithpete.com and sign up for a subscription today. I don't know where that hard to find $100,000 subscriber lives or is. I don't know. Uh, we, we got to find a couple though. We're, we're out there. We're searching. We're, we're, uh, we're combing the day trader apps all, all day, every day. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, I was going to say that my, my experience echoes very much about what you are kind of anticipating with, with Joel. Um, after Maddie moved off to college, my relationship with Hannah changed significantly and not like it was bad. It was just different. It was much more intense is kind of a weird word, but like, it was just a lot more time together. It wasn't, I'm doing stuff with two people. It was more focused. If I did stuff with the kids, it was now just me and Hannah and that changes stuff. Um, and the independence thing that you talk about is, is for real right now. Um, Hannah, even though she's, she's 21, wait, 20, she's 22. Sorry. Uh, uh, doesn't have her license yet. And so I've been taking her to and from work. I don't understand. I don't either. Explain it. I don't either. She's afraid to drive. So she's finally going to get it done. Well, you do understand. That's it. She's afraid. She's afraid to drive. Yeah. She is afraid. Yeah. You, uh, maybe you don't want to uh, talk about it. maybe that's no, hard. no, that's fine. Um, I don't, I, that, that fear puzzles me. There are things that she does that are, uh, I mean, obviously driving is very dangerous, but there are things that she's totally, she's totally capable of doing it. And that's why I find it surprising. Maybe um, she, a past life. She was a deer. Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting point. Taking the Shirley McLean approach. That doesn't I include like it. Trauma, like there's there's something it's it, I'm always fascinated when people are afraid to drive, especially if they live in a place where it's a game changer, like in the city. It's unsurprising um, referring to New York because right. public is so good. If you grew up there, it's not a rite of passage where I grew up. If you didn't get your driver's permit the day you turned 16, it made no sense. I, I had my mom take me to the secretary of state the morning of my 16th birthday so I could get my license. Has that not been a longstanding issue with her and you and, and your wife where you're like, you got to go get your license. I'm um, no, because, uh, well, how does she get around is my question. Her sister. Okay. I have yeah. a lot of 
questions about i'd like yeah. to hear about yeah Volta. yeah um yeah but she's she's uh we've we've uh we've 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 cracked the case though she's she's getting it done she's uh Great. she's 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 getting it done she's got a she's got a car on the way that wow. uh that was a, a a surprise gift uh that came out of nowhere um and uh it's a great little starter car is car gift like she's on the freaking prices right yeah yep she won a 2007 honda accord is that is that the surprise car gift a 20 uh, all right well, what 20 2007 uh honda accord <laughs> i had one uh, uh yeah uh now it's just now it's nothing but electrics for the dominic household right no no we still have a gas-powered crv that Ava oh yeah smashed into a deer with and mm. i thought wouldn't be too big of an issue but apparently there's sensors in the front of the car nowadays that deal with things like cruise control. So yeah, it's more of an issue than, than we thought, but it's her first deer hit. And you know, the other thing, when you talked about like when your daughter, I think moved out, you kind of celebrated, like we did it. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting ways to measure how successful you were. And I'm not making any judgments here of anybody, but like the fact that my daughter, a lot of it's luck, right? Didn't have a major car accident or really minor car accident that cost us any money uh, during the time she lived here. I'm obviously she will have one. It's inevitable. Right. But Mm -hmm. that's a success. We'll take it. She did scratch terribly her friend's dad's car. And I had a, Stole out well she did she paid for that but other than that you know no accidents other than that we'll take that as a win but then she uh she smashed into a deer um it happens um yeah, yeah. It, it i learned from my, i wasn't gonna do i was gonna re, i was gonna break the cycle between my dad and me on this when i hit my first deer and similar damage not too much damage broke those cheap plastic grills in the head of a front of a Ford Explorer. When I did that, my dad, he was mad at me. He's like, what were you thinking? I was like, pop. I, I mean, like, it, it's not like I had time to think. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, because it was just like this pop. It was just deer smash. It wasn't no, like I, I, as a parent, I have issues. It was deer smash. And then, so when Ava did it, I was like, was it deer smash? And she's like, yeah, I was like, what are you going to do? As long as you, you did the thing, you didn't drive off the road to try to avoid it. You didn't, you know, what are you going to do? I, uh, I have issues with this. I was, I was told growing up, never swerve. That's how you flip the car. That's how you'll wind up going in the ditch. Don't swerve. Don't swerve. Agreed. And, and by the way, don't swerve for any like bird, squirrel, or any larger mammal like yes. you through i think you swerve for moose because that might kill you it might it might it also it also might be um it also might be a situation where uh you just you just leave the car you just roll out you just you just do an ejector thing oh uh, that's if you have that option but what do you do say if you're driving down the road and you see a female adult lion i'm gonna slow down yeah that's the first I, thing i'm gonna do <laughs> you would slow down i'm gonna slow down um i'm gonna make sure the windows are up i think that's number two i think slow down windows up everything after that cream cheese 
What are I'm, you going to do? That's my question. I smash right into the deer because I'm not you. Or the I, meant, I meant the lion. Okay. Run the joke. I, I didn't say I wouldn't hit the lion. I'm just not going to hit it at 70. That's all I'm saying. And for the story. Yeah. Um, well, I fucked it up. Never mind. Um, so how do you think all of this stuff, your travel, the, the change in your family, and now you're kind of going back to uh, let's embrace the new normal. You're going back to it. You're getting back to work every day. You're working. It seems like maybe, I don't know if you're working harder than ever, but you're putting out more stuff than ever. You're doing, you know, the other day you did two interviews. That's not uncommon that you would put two interviews up in a day. Um, how do you think all of this has kind of affected you? Do you feel reinvigorated in any way? I feel like I just have more time to focus on my work without having many responsibilities to Ava, much less even Julia. I feel like that's going to increase. I feel like I want to work, you know, smarter, not harder and, and be efficient, but also there's no way of getting around what I'm doing that there's got to be a lot of work, but I love it uh, a lot. And I just want to try to keep it going. You know, when I think about my life and how I want to, what life I want to create, what the lifestyle I want is, I want to be able to continue to do this kind of work where I can hopefully in the future work from anywhere and be able to travel and have that be part of the kind of journalism that I'm doing, going living in different places and even embedding with other families and, and talking more about that. I think the podcast will, will evolve as I evolve. I think that's always been true of my work. And so I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. And I hope that I can sustain it because, you know, I don't, I have to be able to at least put the girls through college and then I can live on very little. I'm not too worried about, you know, retirement and stuff like that. But we'll we'll see. I'm I, so much uncertainty. But yeah, I have I have more time to do more work. I think, and hopefully, I can do it in such a way that I can keep it going, so that I can have the, like I just I worry about having obviously to do some other kind of work, and I don't know quite what that looks like. But I have a lot more confidence these days that it looks like something that I can continue to to thrive in and enjoy because I've started to understand a little bit better more about who I am and what I'm capable of accomplishing, I guess, I hope, but you know, it's, you never know, but so hopefully I think Are I you're coming it. up on four years of the pod. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, 2019, October, 2019 was when yeah, I, so we're, we're a couple months out from four when years when I started the podcast. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't can't do the math, especially when it's like a 19 and then no, like it's a, all right. Uh, yeah. Um, no, what I was going to ask is, uh, you, you talked about like evolving and kind of continuing to do it. Uh, you're at episode 900 and something in a couple of months. Well, you know, three months or whatever, you're going to, you're going to push 400. Um, or you're going to push a thousand. I mean, in four years, you're going to do a thousand episodes roughly. That's 250 episodes a year. That's incredible. And it's not like you're churning out filler. Like these are good conversations that are timely, that are with smart, connected people. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of, I'm kind of puzzled how you can do that for four years 
and uh, create a community like you've created without, as you said, loving doing it. Um, is, is that, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is that's enough, the loving it, the doing it, the, the work itself four years on, is it, is it, is it, is it, is the work itself better than ever? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I, I learn all the time about how to be even a better interviewer. I listen to a lot of other great podcasts and interviewers and I take notes from them to this day. And I've been interviewing people for years and then my interests and in things is obviously changing and I'm constantly finding new voices and new guests and trying new things. And people have been generous to kind of go along with me most of the time. And so, yeah, I think so. I think it's better than ever. You know, the, the, the business end of it, I'm not great at, very few people are really good at both business and, you know, yeah. the quality of, of the work. Some people are definitely are. And so I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how I can be better at, at that part of it, promoting it, marketing it, uh, you know, if I'm doing different stuff. And so, but I also really want to write like two books. Yeah. And one would be an easier idea than another. And I really do want to keep doing comedy somehow, some way and, and speaking, it's just, uh, it's hard to do all of those things in any kind of consistent way, but the podcast, which is home based, that I can do day in and day out, even six days a week now. You know, Maddie, I hate people that are successful, really successful in podcasting or in anything who act like it's harder than it is. And so I love, I've gotten into, I hate to say it because they're popular. Tim Ferriss and Rich Roll. And these guys partly started listening to them because of what's their secret. They really are good at what they do. But when they talk about how hard it is, or when I listen to the New York Times podcast and I have 15 people working on it, I'm like, it's not. It's no. actually not that hard to produce a podcast after you do it as much as I've done it. It takes a long time to figure out. Most people would never even give it that time. So it did take, but I could explain it to somebody. What I've learned in about an hour and they could produce their own podcast in a very short amount of time. It's not that hard to make a podcast in my opinion. I mean, you're doing it now. Maybe you're still in the hard phase. I was for a long no. time. No, but it's I'm not hard. Technically it's not that hard. And in terms of posting it on the internet, so everybody can download it and listen to it. Not that hard. Um, it, It's Almost. just, you can do it now, whether or not anybody wants to listen to it or it's listenable, that's obviously really hard. And the reason I have an audience is because I did it forever, but I'm saying the technical part of it, this idea that rich Roll and Tim Ferriss and New York times or has 15 producers and that they're saying, Oh, this is really hard to do this once a week. I'm like, motherfucker, I do it like eight episodes sometimes a week. Like, and I post it everywhere. That's what's hard at the time it takes to post things, but that's not hard is what I'm saying. It's just, I can't, I, it, it irks me when they, who are making, you know, all this money doing one podcast a week or maybe two right. go on and say, you know, people don't realize how hard this is. I want to be like it now. They don't need to, it's not that hard to, I, 
podcast. It's hard to have a good podcast to be good at being on air and being interesting and all of that. It's hard to promote it and get it hurt, of, of course, but. The logistics of production are not the impediment for people. Yeah, Adobe Audition, microphone, yeah. whatever software program, the microphones, how they work, editing, and then, you know, learning how to post a thing on the internet. It's not that hard. You don't no. need to do more than, you know, six weeks of, of training for it. Or Watch last. a few YouTube videos. Yeah. I mean, I had a guy, a good friend of mine, who was over my shoulder for the first, I don't know, six months, and he was awesome. And that's how I learned best. So that made it a lot easier. But I could do that for anybody. Right. Uh, I, what, I, what I think, it, one of the early conversations I had was with our mutual friend, Maura Quinn. And Maura said something to me, and we kind of hit on this idea that maybe the idea of genius I think the way she put it was, what if genius is just doing something really well over a really long period of time consistently, right? So what if, what if that is a form of genius? I, to me, it's, it's a different version of the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing, whether you want to call it genius or being a master, but you've got this, you've got this curiosity, you've got this skill, you've got this work ethic. Um, that's not nothing. You know, you've got, you are willing to go out and have these conversations and to, and to basically build your own thing. I mean, when you, when you had a really thoughtful and kind conversation with me, when I was thinking about getting this going, what you said was just start, just do it. And that was a big driving factor in finally just pressing publish the first day. Yeah. yeah. Um, no episode will ever get harder than that first publish. Right. I find that as I do this, I not only get quicker at it and better at it, I also get more confident at it. Sure. And I get a sense of feeling a, a, a true sense of purpose to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true of most things. My point about that is once you get there, don't go tell people. Oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm taking away anything from what I've accomplished and what I'm doing, how hard of the work is, especially at the rate I'm doing it. But I'm saying, uh, if I'm not being clear, taping and editing and posting a one hour conversation with another person is not that hard. My I, I can do it. No, I, my, my, yeah. He can't get into his phone. Your dad, your dad can do it. Your dad did it. Your dad did an amazing interview about fireworks on your show, which I will, I will link in the show notes. That was incredible. What was it? I'm sorry. When your dad went to the fireworks store. Oh God. That was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, uh, my dad doesn't know how to minimize uh, a window in his web browser, but he could tape a podcast. Um, we have 19 producers on this nine minute conversation. Uh, what? Here's people that don't need to be employed is what I'm saying. Now and you're it, now you're ruining Biden's job numbers. Now that all the podcast producers are going to be unemployed. First, it was the writer's strike. Then it's the actors. Now it's the podcast editors. You're coming for all of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> AI is going to be doing a lot of the oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, my friend, I am. So glad you are out there in the world having conversations every day. You 
literally are uh, a staple of my morning and I look forward to it every day to get to hear your voice while I'm working and uh, hear what's going on in your world and to understand a little bit more about the the earth one that I live on um which by the way are you pissed that Nicole Wallace has co-opted this she's using it all the time she's doing the earth one and earth two thing oh no no because I co-opted it oh, okay all right I didn't know if it was uh, uh, an invention of yours or not I've been using it consistently uh but you know I don't think it's that original I don't know who said it okay. I, sure. I heard say it but yeah there's a, a pretty easy litmus test for people on earth one and earth two as to what they believe is reality correct yeah and it's uh, confusing to be fair what what is really happening in the world but uh, especially if you want to believe certain things always the case you always have yeah. to check that no matter what we're mm -hmm. talking about. that's right yeah Sir. um thank you for uh being a great friend and a wonderful mentor and uh for having the best damn podcast around i i really appreciate you i really appreciate you too buddy thank you very much for having me on your show glad you're still putting it out there it seems like you're really enjoying it and uh happy to talk anytime and soon again but now i have to go journal okay you go journal and um i'm gonna go uh I'm going to go run some errands. And when I get back this afternoon, I'm going to read some Pema on my deck in the sunshine. Oh, uh, very good. Pema Shadrin, life changer. Yeah. Um, I have uh, the folks on the, on the pod won't be able to see it, but I have my, I have my pocket Pema children that I keep on my desk every day. I got to get that. I, you told me about that and I forgot I'm, I'm ordering that now. And uh, I'm the kind of thing I want to order for like, like several and give them out as gifts. Yeah. I got this one. It was like, I don't know. It was like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. Um, and it's it's uh, basically I read it like a devotional. There's there's one page for each idea. And so I just read one every morning. That's what I've been doing with each chapter of her book. When things fall apart, by the way, highly recommend if you're in a transition in your life, which you kind of always are, as we established, and you're taking a 16 hour flight. Uh, don't listen to anybody's advice about sleeping and movies. Read a life changing self-helpish book read something that as you when you get back you're ready for the transit like it was such a smart thing i did to read that book instead of watching 15 movies and tv shows which i also did but i mostly read and took notes with that book or books like it that whatever people want and when i by the time i got back to my life i was really prepared in a way i I wouldn't have been had I just watched Denzel Washington movies the whole way. Um, that was uh, that was when I that was when I, re I read the uh, Oliver Berkman book um, hey. right when I got back from Morocco. Uh, the um, Four Thousand Weeks. Yep. What's that book called? Eight Thousand Weeks. Eight thousand. Four thousand. It's Four Thousand Weeks. High management for mortals, Oliver Berkman. Yeah. Yeah. So, um that book that you recommended that to me as well. That that book blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Awesome one. Yeah. All right. Um thanks, buddy. I appreciate you very much.
There he goes, my friend and the hardest working man in podcast show business, Pete Dominic. Make sure you go over and check out his show, StandUpWithPeteDominic.com. You can find it on all the pods. It is an amazing thing. Pete talks to really smart people every single day. There is an incredible community. I've told you about them before. Uh, my tour wouldn't have been possible without Pete and this community of people. Uh, if you're interested in politics, life, parenting, climate, all that stuff, go over and check it out. Uh, make sure you're checking out what I'm doing over at the Substack. It's what am I making? Substack.com. Make sure you're signing up for a paid subscription. We really need to get some of those moving, gang. Thank you again for being here. It means so much that you've pressed play, that you've made this a part of your day, your routine, your life. It means a lot to me. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for everything, for your support. Stay out there on the blog. Stay sane. Stay safe. And I will see you all very, very soon. Thanks so much, my friends. Be well. Now that right there, that right there was a production of Maddie C and his ADHD, high definition hyperactivity. <laughs>